agile coaches are not responsible for the transformation. They're responsible for helping the leaders transform the organization. And the ownership is with the leader. Welcome to Agile Clips, where we break down agile into manageable pieces. In this episode, we talk about business agility and in particular about training offered by IC Agile. Hi, Steve. How are you? Very good. How are you, Santosh? I'm doing well. So uh, I'm, I'm glad we are able to at least get to this monthly cadence, uh, maybe a few days here and there. But um, yeah, it's been uh, quite a few things happening during last month, month and a half. So as I mentioned, was mentioning to you, I did go to the conference, um, you know, Scrum Alliance, uh, uh, and it was pretty, in Orlando, it was pretty well attended. Um, but we'll cover that at some other, uh, because I have a few other topics that we want to include from there. So we will talk about that. But I think you had some interesting training sessions that you went to. So Yes. Yeah, since uh, since the last podcast recording, I got uh, went through two IC Agile uh, certifications, and they were both really, really interesting. Um, to begin with, the trainings were at, on the weekends, so Saturdays and Sundays, starting at 5 a.m. for me oh. in my time zone, but there were people joining from all around the world for whom I'm some people it was nighttime, some people it was in the middle of the day, all kinds of things. Um, but they they were phenomenal uh, courses, and the trainers were two separate trainers, both very good. The second one was just absolutely outstanding, highly, highly qualified. But most of all, both of the trainers were practicing coaches, uh, mm. uh, so enterprise coaches, and they really do the training not to earn money, but to just because they're so passionate, they like to meet other people who are doing yeah. similar work and learn and share experiences. So the trainings were very interactive. So there was a ton of course material and we didn't go through a lot of slides, but there were a lot of exercises done in mural boards. And so a lot of interaction with fellow students and then going back to the main room and debriefing and the trainers pointing out, yes, what you said is correct. That's what we, you know, what we believe. And I just want to really focus on this point. And so it was just, it was tremendous, really enjoyable. And there were a lot of takeaways, too many for me to even remember at the moment without going yeah. through notes. Um, but I'll just mention a few things. For example, I, I really like the concept of um, the fact that Agile coaches are not responsible for the transformation. They're responsible for helping the leaders transform the organization. Yeah, the ownership is with the leader. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Makes yeah. a lot of sense. And then there are all kinds of topics around personal coaching and coaching the executive team and how those things are different. And there's almost a conflict of interest if you're coaching the whole executive team and one executive says, I would like you to give me some personal coaching <laughs> because then you get into the issues of transparency and so on. So that was interesting. Of course, there was a long discussion about what agility means and um, we were shared or pointed to uh, material for, from the um, 
Business Agility Institute, yeah. who have a very interesting wheel with all the aspects of um, agility, both um, well at all levels of the organization and from different perspectives. So that was really interesting to go through that and sort so of what, think. What did you feel? Uh, what's your feel about that wheel? Because I have been through that and I like, yeah, it, it has some, you know, it, it has like shoved everything in it and then the point gets lost to know at least from my point of view it's like wait a minute do you have time to go through all these little slices of this and how do you measure it's it's um, i i like to know understand your experience about that and i would like to really see if somebody has actually used it <laughs> so what i thought of it is that it's interesting because it kind of lists all the different areas that one could consider so it's not that I would formally have people go through the an evaluation or an, an assessment, but it's just a good reminder of all the things that are important. And then as you go through the initial conversations with leaders and team members and all the people in the organization, you can sort of treat it like a long, unprioritized backlog. And then based on the conversations you have, figure out where Where's the most need to uh, to do some coaching and help the organization? So oh, I that, didn't. That, yeah. I mean, I, I I I get the point of that wheel. You know, that it gives you uh, everything that possibly you know be there and and kitchen sink kind of. But I want to really uh, understand. It's like, okay, how do you start? Where do you start? That's one point. <laughs> and then, you know, as you as you were saying, you know, you need to look at. Uh, prioritized way of or what is what is important to you or your organization let's look at those and whether you want to fine-tune it get it better scale it or pivot or whatever those things are when i get to get that point just that there is so many of those narrowing it down could be I mean, just to go through all of those will take a year for an organization to look at all yeah as i said i think it's more for the coach as a reminder of all the different aspects to consider but anyway, it's. I guess everybody can use it in the way that they see fit. Another learning for me was um, <clears throat> just the way I see Agile operates, which is that it's not about any one framework. Mm -hmm. So that the, there's no promotion of Scrum or Kanban or Safe or anything like that. And indeed, that's not what enterprise coaching is all about. It's really the the business side of things and it's framework independent and in some organizations one framework implementation framework may be better than another it just varies um i have to say that the both trainers were very um full of stories some of them quite funny and so one part of the discussion we had was about the importance of the system around you so it doesn't matter how individuals and teams behave it's the system that surrounds them that has a big impact and so one mm -hmm. of the funny stories was um who are the best drivers in the world it's indians but not when <laughs> they drive not when they're driving in india though but, <laughs> but when they so both these trainers live in canada and uh. and one of them was indian so basically we're saying in canada they're all the the system is very well organized and people know they have to behave when they're driving. And so Indians are great drivers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's so, a good point <laughs> when they're not driving in India. <laughs> yeah. So it was, you know, that was entertaining at times. Um, another thing 
with this particular training organization, and I'm not going to mention who they are, but they do provide a portal with a ton of material. So both as you attend and you're given homework and exercises and so on, but um, there are just tons of videos and articles to read, and they don't all have to be read during the course, but um, it remains as a really great um, resource to look at afterwards. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I'm just continuing to go and absorb more and more material, ha having been given some pointers as to what things are really important. Um, so as we speak here, I'm just going through some of my notes. Oh, there was there was one thing that I learned from a totally different seminar about coaching, uh, not related to IC Agile, but it really appealed to me, which is when you're coaching someone, ask them what they want to achieve, what they want to avoid, and what's the next step to get there. Most people will know what the next step is. Mm. They just instinctively, automatically know. It's like saying to somebody, okay, what do you want to achieve? You, you want to lose weight. What do you want to avoid is being ill so what's the next step and people will say oh i have to eat properly i have to go to the gym they just know but they yeah. don't do it yeah. so yeah. i thought that was uh well, interesting you know, that, that's the one part is that you know the answer should come from them instead of you feeding it's like uh you know organic way of pulling the answer from and that that's the total you know coaching stand of uh you never lead them to it let them think that they found the answer and then they will do it instead of you telling them. Absolutely. And sometimes, yeah, 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 sometimes you have to say, oh, these are the options. But yeah, it is really true that if they thought that they thought of it, that's it. Yeah, but the what I like was the simplicity of the questions because all coaches know about the powerful questions, which are a little bit more sophisticated, but maybe they're not as necessary as we think, given this very simple recipe. Hmm. It's really easy to remember. There were lots of really good stories. For example, uh, one of these coaches was in a, an organization, and um, it turned out that the developers were measured on um, not having bugs in their code, and the testers were measured on finding bugs. <laughs> so they could never, they had different personal goals, and they could never work well together because yeah. of that. So, is it a feature or a bug? <laughs> Right. So this coach suggested that we we should measure the number of customer found defects. So now it was they really wanted to collaborate because you know the the metrics were outside of their control in a yeah. sense, but yeah. they had the well, same same common incentive. Right. The escape defects is always the and that's what really counts anyway. If true, the, very true. The quality and the impression and the NPS and all those things come back to haunt you if the quality that perceived quality by the customer or end, end consumer is not really good, then that reflects. So, yeah, I, I think that makes total sense. But anyway, the, the key there is obviously if you can align people on common goals, then they will be more successful as a team than if they will have their own goals. It's obvious, but it's good to hear it sometimes. Um, we went through a lot of discussion about how can you motivate people to do things and, and not, and the whole idea of you can only coach people who want to be coached, and is that really true? So there were no, um, I don't think there were any conclusions, but 
we were referred to a lot of different approaches about motivating people and it's uh, it's interesting but anyway the supposedly the research shows you can't really motivate others to do things which to me was surprising but i don't know what your experience is with that well i mean motivation is really needs to come within and uh, uh, there has to be is almost like a what's in it for me and i think that's the ultimate motivating fact is this going to benefit me in one way whatever the shape or form and i think it could be reward system it could be whatever their values are so if you can relate to that motivation that motivating factor i think that's that's like reading reading your audience as to you know, what what they will like where and what they want to get out of as you were earlier asking you know, what do you want to out of all that will tell you whether you are whatever you're coaching or you're trying to motivate is that is that going to take hold because there yeah people listen to you and they say yeah yeah it's not not for me kind of so then there is no motivation but you know the one i think we we when we were working together we found one of the things how to motivate is one of the best way to do we found was the peer pressure if the other person in your group starts getting better using some some method or whatever you know like somebody starts losing weight now the other person takes the notes like i better start eating or doing whatever i have to to get to that so True. it's a you know, okay, that's that's works like a charm and yeah. so i think that's that's kind of uh, i guess it's a best passive way of doing it but still it works yeah there is um one of the philosophies of helping people change is exactly that which is um do they have a personal motivation is the motivation coming from their peer group from their organization and then in addition to wanting to change are the factors they're needed to actually change so for example mm-hmm. somebody could be perfectly happy to update tickets in jira but if they don't know how to do it yeah. they will not do it so they, there's a, a training aspect to make sure that people can act, actually have the ability to do what they want to do um anyway going through my notes there was uh, we sort of touched on this already but um there was a bit of a discussion about roles and responsibilities and clarifying those mm. and in particular the coach's role in the organization so it's going back to the the idea that we help the leaders change the organization the coach is not directly responsible for it but um the statement was that there's often confusion about the coach's role it's they're almost viewed like a super scrum master they can end up scheduling meetings and yeah doing things like that and it should be clear that that's not why they're there and they they're almost like a business consultant they're there to help at that level well you know that that funny you should mention this is actually what we have been uh, saying also is um, you will introduce an idea let's meet for that or let's have a workshop for that but the your client or who are you are coaching they need to schedule if you start scheduling then you become the you know admin kind of, oh yeah yeah so it's it's really you know, they have to have like a skin in the game whoever is is being coached right and they need to say oh okay i will schedule and that small thing gives you the uh, indication that yes the person is bought into it if they don't schedule then it's okay well, it's like they don't want to get coached you, know, you don't do it well that's okay it's almost a good segue to the next point which is um one of the first things you have to do when you go into an organization is to really understand why the organization wants to make a change 
Hmm. Um, because then you can always refer back to it. So it could be a environmental thing. It could be the competition. They could be, you know, they're falling behind and they want to be number one or two in the industry. But if you can really pinpoint the one concise statement about why they want to change, then you can get a lot of leverage from it. Yeah, it's like typical things, you know, now the typical measure is uh, what are the OKRs they're trying to accomplish? And that that's a good motivator saying, yeah, here is the reason why the organization wants to change. And yeah, there could be some survival issues. Uh, there could be some uh, leadership issues that we want to keep on the leading, like one or two uh, kind of. And then it really, but what it, what it emphasizes is basically the push has to come you need to have the champion at the you know, at almost like a executive level leadership saying that yeah i want to get this here is the reason why we want it and then then people will start thinking about okay how how do i contribute um, bottom up is is how but why and what really mm-hmm. comes from the top exactly that's ex- exactly the next point i have in my notes it says <laughs> uh, first figure out the why then figure out the how and the when and then figure out how you're going to measure success yeah and i, th- I think there was uh, something about i just uh, was on one of the uh, i guess uh, podcast i was listening to and they they had something similar as to what do we measure and why and that that measurement uh, really drives a lot of motivation, a lot of uh, results that you are trying to do, you know, those kind of things. And the, the typical word is to keep uh, the leadership to make it into a weaponized way of measuring. So, and then and how to avoid that. Yep. Um, so then we went on to talk about funding, not for coaching, but funding for all projects. And there was an interesting thing, which makes a lot of sense. I'd never thought about it before, but the separation of budgeting from allocation. Hmm. So meaning that usually the financial people care mostly about what the budget is and how much is set aside more than they care about how it's spent. It's not entirely true. Other people care about how it's spent, but if you can separate that, it gives you a lot more agility because you can then decide if a project is not working out, you can switch, you know, use the same budgeted funds to start another project. So change the allocation to something that is proving more worthwhile. But so that's, what... a, that's a, a really good good point of view in the sense that uh, the budgets are like a pool of money. And I guess they are given to get some results. Now, how to get that results out is, is a individual or at that leadership's prerogative and i think that's that makes total sense in the sense that you have been given the sandbox <laughs> how to play in it is really your uh, your decision and, and getting it done so that yeah I, I think that's a that's a good way of putting it. yes right exactly um i think we're back to the wheel ah. <laughs> so i think the um the inner area of that wheel that we were talking about is um there are five categories, which is, is the the company responsive? Does it have an engaged culture? Does it have a value-based delivery, flexible operations, and the people-first leadership? So I think if, uh, if there are too many spokes on the wheel, it's helpful to just think at least at the highest level of those five elements to decide where maybe focus needs to be applied. Yeah, you know, that's, that's the criteria for 
I mean, I, I like the, that fact that they had, you know, creators broad category. And right. look at those; those are very soft categories. They're not like, you know, so it's it's a very interpretive way of your own environment that thing might look different that those five categories look culture is a different thing people first well what does that mean to your organization we were told a story about uh, snakes in india obviously this was the indian trainer of course <laughs> um so apparently um the british had wanted to build some uh, i think a city or the part of a city in an area where there were so many snakes. I don't maybe you know the story. So um they decided to provide financial incentives to the population to go and catch these snakes. But then what they realized is that in fact these people the, the number of snakes went up and the number that were caught went up, but for the wrong reasons, because these people were very crafty and they realized they could make money. This so they started breeding snakes so they could then <laughs> take them and say, I caught a snake. <laughs> and so the whole thing misfired and or backfired, I should say. Um so the it's like you know the similar thing with the velocity. How many points? Yeah, do you right. You know, then if you if you gaming the system, points, right? Exactly. So it's very <laughs> we we know how to relate to that. <laughs> oh yes, but again, the the point was just be you know think about the whole system and about unintended consequences of changes that you make. Another thing was to talk about containers that. Um, Parts of a system are bound together by a container. So a container could be the team that you're a part of, like a scrum team, but you might also be part of a functional organization such as testers, and that's a different container. And then you go home and you your passion is cooking, then you're part of some club that gets together to do food tastings, and that's another container. So when... When you deal with people, you have to kind of understand the container that they're a part of because that helps you relate to them. It's it's like you know there was that tribe and that construct as to you know you have those different tribes and then you have like in the Spotify and... model. Yeah, yeah, yes. well, yeah, extension of that. But but it yeah, people are in in you know uh, social circles different and, and but yeah, this this uh, I I can relate to that because it's you you change. Even just go from one room to the other, you're in a different uh, state of mind. Right. And so an example would be if there could be two people who are members of a team and they're always arguing with each other when it comes to work. But if they both have a passion for food, when they're in that container, they could be the best of friends. (laughs) So you always have to sort of be mindful of all these different parts of the system and how they relate to each other. Oh, this was another funny story. I'll share it. It was about uh, people just following a blindly following a process and why that doesn't work. And so apparently there was uh, there were two people. That one person was digging a hole, and the next person was following them and just filling the hole. And they just were walking down the street, digging a hole, filling the hole, digging a hole, filling the hole. So uh, someone accosted them and said what the heck is going on here? And they said, well, we're just doing our job. Um, There's supposed to be a third person who puts a tree in the hole between us, but he's out sick. But we're just doing our job. (laughs) That's funny. I like that, just to be aware of 
people who are just following a process without thinking yeah. about what the outcomes are. After that, I, I went for the um, Certified Agile Transformation, or CAT, and there was a really nice uh, icebreaker on the very first day. So for this course, there were six students. So the very first thing we did was um, we were broken into three breakouts, and we each had to tell our partner in the breakout things about us, like where we live, are we married, what our hobbies are, and so on. And then when we regrouped, the other person had to tell the group about you. Oh, okay, what they heard. Yes, so that was uh, really an amazing way to get to know somebody quickly and as a warm-up exercise. So I can <laughs> see uh, opportunities to use that in future. Uh, there was a whole discussion about why... Um, why companies want to be agile and the, the fact that technology is just changing so fast, customer preferences change so fast, and even COVID was mentioned as a example of how companies need to be able to respond quickly to changes in the environment. So those were just um, reminders of some of the reasons why companies might want to change the way they behave. Uh, this was interesting that someone who's uh, driving a a transformation cannot be expected to be an expert in every area of the transformation. So it could be there's a business side of it, there's a technical, there's being able to facilitate, teach, mentoring, being the actual transformational coach. So you have to be familiar with all these different needs and bring in the right people at the right time to work right. on those things. Right. You know, that the, I think we, we had talked about this. There was that uh, analogy that we used to use, like, you know, um, in the room when we are physically there, we used to have an empty chair always. And that was the leadership chair. So that leadership could come based upon their situation, who had the skill set or who had the expertise would lead that. So there was not going to be a leader assigned. He or she knew everything about everything. But that's exactly, I mean, that is that. Total sense. And that really how the team collaborates. They build the expertise and bulldozing and then complement each other. Yeah. The, uh, the next topic was about change management. And there are so many different techniques. Uh, for example, cut, the Cotter eight-step process, the Kubler-Ross model, the ADCAR model. <laughs> so, so many models, which essentially they're all about uh, some form of preparation and um, they're making the changes in various ways and then reinforcing the results, measuring the results and then going through the loop again. Right, right. So that was interesting just to kind of get that idea of so you many know, things. What, what I've seen in this change management is that they all all these tools or whatever methods, they all come down to is what are we learning from each and getting the feedback into the next yes. loop. So you might traverse the loop in a different way, but finally it has to go back to the feedback and the whole cycle. So it's a very uh, interesting observation that they said, yeah, everyone, every of, the, one of those always rely on that feedback. And I think 90% of the time that feedback is missing. It goes only one direction. Yes, that's right. We talked about... Um particular type of workshop when first engaging with a uh, a client which is to understand or work uh, work with the leadership in a workshop format and understand where the organization is today have them envision the future 
and what it's like to work there in the future, if they can achieve that vision, and then discuss what are the options to get there, hmm. which is, uh, it's all common sense. A lot of, of this is common sense. It's always just a kind of reminder of all the different aspects well, and how they work the together. Common sense is not as common as we believe. <laughs> Definitely. Oh, there were so many topics. Yeah. How leaders often think that others need coaching and they don't. But you have to really have a lot of empathy to help people understand what they need, which they might not but, realize. Well, I think I think one of the episodes that we had talked about was exactly that in the sense that sometimes the leader has to realize that sometimes they are the problem. And it is always that realization comes the last mm -hmm. because they are controlling yes. the decisions. They are. So it's like, oh, you do that. I'll tell you this. Well, no, no, that is what is causing this whole churn or whatever that problem is. <laughs> so um, making that realization at that level, at wherever the decisions are coming from saying that maybe the <laughs> that's where the problem is starting that's right and also um we talked about the fact that core beliefs drive actions so if you want to change the way people act you have to change their core beliefs hmm. so you really have to uh, make them aware of things that they may believe but in practice they haven't even worked and so if you can identify those you can help them change then there was a discussion about leadership style, and there was a, an exercise with four quadrants, and we had to say whether a leader was um, like a, a people leader or innovative, command control, autocratic, and so on. And um, the final answer was other than autocratic leaders, every other type of leadership style is neither good nor bad. It's just... Is it appropriate for the situation that the organization is in? So mm -hmm. sometimes you need command and control, and other times that's not the right thing to do. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes democracy is not the only answer. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, I like the fact that leadership is not based on title, but the way um, people influence others to follow them. Mm -hmm. That's the true leadership. So a lot of these things are a little bit abstract, but we also went through a lot of very practical uh, exercises and techniques and things that pretty much give you a um, kind of framework or a recipe for how to do things. Mm -hmm. So I've always wondered, is the one approach that works better than another, which is do you try and change the culture first and then the practices will follow? Is it the other way around? And according to this trainer and coach very experienced coach it's really you need a mixture of the two at the same time okay hmm. and i really like the idea of um thinking about that in an organization what's the technology what's the leadership what's the culture what's the design of the organization and the people and all of those are important elements that need to be transformed and one uh, thing was there was some some definition I, I thought uh, forget where that was but it's like what culture means is actually a another process unwritten process that's yeah. the, because you follow certain steps or certain ways of doing it and that's it's like that's the way it is well that's your culture yeah that's and yeah it, makes sense 
and and it it derives from certain processes that are in place and you, you put those things around so you know either you can change that mindset about what you how do you want to look and then change the process or the process can drive what the culture is going to look like i thought this um thinking about these five elements of the technology the leadership the organizational design people and culture again is uh a very powerful thing to think about, which is when when you're trying to transform the organization, it doesn't matter what practices you bring in. If the, the whole um, design of the organization is incompatible with agility, then you're not going to succeed. Or maybe it's a technological problem that needs to be solved before everything else. And so maybe the mm-hmm. culture is great, the people are great, the leadership is great, but they they have some really old technology that's really holding them back and preventing them being agile. Yeah, yeah. We spent a lot of time talking about different types of assessments again. Mm-hmm. I did mention ADCAR, and I'll repeat it because this model, sorry, this is a model of change, which can be measured, but um, this um, our trainer really liked this one above all else or all the other techniques and just the acronym is stands for awareness desire knowledge ability and reinforcement so Mm. in order to change an organization or people you need to first of all make them aware then find out what's needed to make them want to change that's the desire then give them the knowledge to change make sure that they're really able to do it, not just theoretically have the knowledge, but sort of help them through learning and practice and then just keep reinforcing it. Yeah. So that was nice. <laughs> I feel like I'm a parrot just repeating <laughs> what I heard. Well, and there's, it's really a pretty intense course and there's a lot that still needs to sink in. Well, this is almost uh, like another repeat of your course right exactly (laughs) that's right yeah i think when i have time i want to put it in a mind map Mm. Uh, i love mind maps so this would be a great way of tying everything together yep so yeah it it really why every scrum master cannot be coach that's exactly what that is because your thinking is different your approach right 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 I think we're getting close to the end of the uh, the podcast. We don't want yeah. to bore people to death. So <laughs> I'll just finish by uh, talking about an interesting framework, which was how to attack a transformation. So mm-hmm. the idea was you can have a canvas in which at the top you talk about the vision of the company and then uh, sort of more granular goals and then you have to think about what's the current operating model of the company and what's the target operating model. And then once you do that, you can think about what are the things that are in your favor to reach your target operating model and what organizational impediments are there. So that helps you come up with a set of options and you can put the options pretty much in a kind of Kanban board. So you list the options, then you prioritize them, then you prepare, then they go into progress, then you review how that change went, and then you go on to the next set of changes mm. that you want to make. And in between all of that, you need to have a very clear communication plan to make sure that everybody understands what's happening, how they're going to be impacted or not, and, and so on. So right. that was just a nice framework to kind of think about how you go about 
bringing changes to an organization. So to uh, to wrap things up, I think the, the number one takeaway for me was that um, being a, a true enterprise coach is not about scaling the agile practices from the team level through the organization. It's much more like being a business consultant, really digging into the fundamental issues that the company has from different perspectives and then helping them change themselves. Yep. So I think that's the kind of 20,000 or 60,000 mile view of what this is all about. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes total sense. That that, And it is, it is really, that's the switch that every coach has to make is to going into that direction because that that can sustain yes oh, wow. definitely not yeah. not easy <laughs> no not easy well otherwise <laughs> everyone can do it that's right in fact organizations could do it themselves right right yep you always need that external perspective exactly. to help you realize what's going wrong yeah and why people get too close to the problem they see uh, lose the side vision very good all right all was... right well this is really ex- uh, extensive <laughs> i think we i'm glad we were able to uh, at least summarize where things are i'm i'm quite excited i'm going to be in, uh, attending that enterprise ic agile course um, and then we can compare notes after that that's right looking forward to it yep all right so bye santosh bye everybody bye